everyone. All right. Good to have all of you here. I want, before we get <clears throat> too far into this preaching, I want to ask a question. What do you expect at this moment? Um, yeah, sermon. Good answer. And uh, now let's build on that. Uh, what do you expect from the sermon? What do you want from the sermon? You know, and, uh, and your answer might be, you know, short. We want, we want 15 minutes. We want uh, 20 minutes. And that's fine. If that's what you really expect and want, that's fine. Uh, there is no virtue in a long sermon. There's no uh, virtue in a short sermon. Uh, only all that matters is what God says. But I just want you to think about that for a second. What you want out of this. Because I've been thinking about that too. What I expect from this moment. And uh, what I expect from myself. What I expect from you. But also what I expect from God. Obviously I expect you to listen. But I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to God's word. Okay. So that, that's what I want for you. Now. I want us to all live into this sermon or live out this sermon or however you want to express that. I believe that God's word has a, it has power. It is a living word. And I think it has something for all of us as individuals and as a group. So um, it's always interesting. The other thing I'd like is that if, I mean, not as a compliment to me, but as a testimony of what God's word can do, that when you've experienced something that comes from this word or maybe later this week you know something that you uh gained from this moment in time where god's word is preached uh and it was god's word at work in you it makes a difference this week it changes your life or the lives of others somehow and if you feel like telling that come tell me i'd like to hear it or tell others I don't know. I think if God can work through this sermon to change your life and the life of others, then I think he can also make it clear to you how you ought to tell it. So I just wanted to stop for a second and say, what do we expect from this moment? Now I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, real quick. 30 seconds. If you're okay with this, I want you to turn to the person next to you and you exchange what you expect today now after we've said that. If you don't have anyone next to you and you don't feel like it, then maybe write it down for yourself, okay? 30 seconds, go. Share your expectations. Thank you. Let's, um, let's ask God to bless us. Father, We've shared with one another our expectations and our hope. And I think that I, I, I ask that you make your spirit and your presence and your love and your challenges known to us. And we pray that your word will be clearly given to us as an instruction, as a word of comfort and hope and challenge to, to us. What, that, that Jesus speaks through this word. And Father, I pray that you would be with me as the speaker, be with all of us as the hearers, and be with all of us as the doers of this word, because we want to take the teaching of Jesus, and we want to put it into practice so that we have a strong foundation. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus, amen. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 7, and if you want to follow along in your translation, that's fine. 
Might get a little interesting if you don't have the same translation I do. But that's okay. Might give you some insight. Um, I'm reading from New Living Translation just in case you have that option. But for some of you, it will be whatever text you're familiar with. When somebody says, uh, well, you know, we all ought to read from the same English translation. Hey, we don't all read English in here, okay? Some of you are going to be reading from Spanish translations. And that's okay, está bien, all right? And we are in Lucas capítulo siete. It is my dream one day to preach in Spanish. I'm not there yet, but I, that, that was a start. How about that, okay? Luke 7. Um, let, let's just listen to this about verse 18. The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? That's right. They had a southern accent. And... um, At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, their illnesses, and and the evil spirits. He restored sight to many who were blind. And then he told John's disciples, go back to John. Tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And then he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. After John's disciples left, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. He started talking about John the Baptist. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed reed swayed by every breath of wind? A weak read. You can't say that very fast. Later on in the sermon, remember that. Later on in the sermon, I got a better translation for that. But we'll, we'll just stick with these guys for now. Or, or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People who wear beautiful clothes and live in luxury are found in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And yet he's more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say... Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet, even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. When they heard this, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right. For they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees, the experts of the law, the religious law, rejected God's plan for them, for they had refused John's baptism. To what can I compare the people of this generation, Jesus asked? How can I describe them? They they are like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends. We played wedding songs, and you did not dance. So we played funeral songs, and you didn't weep. For John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine, and you say, he's possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. 
and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. And that's the word of God for us today. There's two parts to this, to this um, report from Luke. And it's, uh, it starts with a report. And then uh, it concludes, the second part is a summary by Jesus. John has sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one we've been waiting for? Are you the Messiah? Early on in Luke chapter 3, we saw John. We heard about John's birth. No one expected that. They thought that John would be a priest just like his dad, and he would continue with the rituals in the temple, going through the religious traditions as they have always been. But an angel breaks in and says, God has another plan. God's ready to do something, and God wants to do this, and he needs you and your family, and he needs your child to do this. He's going he's to use this child to proclaim and preach. He's going to be the messenger that goes before the Messiah. So John has heard these reports. And it may be that John's in prison right now, that doing the right thing and following God has actually cost him dearly. But if he is in prison, it's funny that Luke chooses not to mention that. Probably because Luke is either saying he wasn't in prison or it doesn't matter. Luke's point is, he knows that John has heard these things and John wants to know for sure. Is this the one that I've given my life for? Is this the one that fulfills the mission that I started Because I baptized people, prepared them, got everybody ready for repentance, but I told them that this isn't the end plan. This is just the prep. John could have had a successful ministry and set it all up, and he could have started John the Baptist Ministries, Galilee LLC, you know, right there. And he could have had had a big, booming, successful career, but he knew that he was just a booster rocket to get people up into orbit and then follow Jesus. He knows that his ministry is just part of a whole. But he wants to know. He's heard the reports. He wants to know, is Jesus of Nazareth the one? Because he'd been telling people, I baptize you with water to get you ready, but he's going to baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. That's Luke 3.16. You may have heard of its popular cousin, John 3.16. Well, Luke 3.16 is just as exciting because the Son of God, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That's John 3.16. And then that Son baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's Luke 3.16. <clears throat> well, Jesus could have said and dismissed this uh, group of two disciples. John has sent his best. How do I know it's his best? Because who else are you going to send to, for something this important? He's going to send his best guys. He sends them out there. Or maybe it was his best girls. I don't know. I mean, it just says two disciples. And so he sends them out there. And uh, Jesus could have, John wants us to ask you if you're the one he's been waiting for. Jesus could have said yes. And then they would have gone back home and that would have been the end of it. But instead, Jesus says, and Luke puts it in there that, that while those two were there to get, to get the message, why, 
the power of Christ is at work right there in that setting that right then and there, he's healing people, casting out demons, all the things that John has heard about. So you almost picture Jesus coming away with his sleeves rolled up and says, yeah, I understand that you two have a question from John. Yeah, he wants to know if you're the one that uh, he's been waiting for. And that's where Jesus says, well, why don't you go tell John what you've seen and heard? Why don't you tell him? I, I can tell you what I know, but why don't you tell him what you see and seen and heard? Like the blind that can now see, the lame, the, the crippled who can now walk, the lepers who were outcasts, and now they've been cleansed and restored, they're whole, the, the ones who couldn't hear, and now they can hear. People who were dead, raised. I mean, right before this, Jesus raises a widow's son back to life which is not only great in and of itself but that poor widow without that son she's got no one to take care of her her life is bleak but now she has that son back who will take care of her she has hope she has a future and jesus says the poor receive good news and by the way that's not a random list Sometimes in our list-making culture, we would sit there and say, okay, well, what else did we see? What else did we see? The, what about the guy in the withered hand? The guy with the withered hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are we going to call that one? I don't know. I think that's a healing in general. No, it's not really a healing as much as a restoration. You know, what about Peter's sick mother-in-law? She had fever. Yeah, I don't know where that one fits, though. She would have gotten over it anyway. See, we, we want to categorize everything and put it on a list. Jesus is mentioning this list, and he's wanting us to get it. Because does that list sound familiar to us? Have you heard something like it before? Well, if you haven't, read your Bible. Because when you do, you find it in two places. You see it in Isaiah 61. And Isaiah 61 is the scripture back in Luke 4 when Jesus got up to do scripture reading. They're having a little synagogue service. It's always good. You have a visiting a uh, person, you have somebody that's uh, special, it's like, you know, it'd be really great if you just read Scripture for us. Why, thank you very much. So he gets up and he reads Scripture, Isaiah 61. And then Isaiah 61 says uh, all of this, th- th- that these things will happen. The blind will see, the lame will walk, the lepers will be cleansed, the deaf will hear, the dead will be raised, and the, and the, the poor will receive good news. I am anointed with the Spirit of the Lord to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus says... I, glad to read that scripture to you by the way that's me and some of the folks in the synagogue have a, a little problem with that but that was luke 4 and that was another sermon here jesus is saying yeah everything i talked about that day in the synagogue it's happening so he said why don't you just but but you go tell john what you've seen and heard isn't it interesting that we don't get the other side of the story we don't see those two disciples running back to john saying john here's what we saw because I think the answer is self-evident. The witnesses have more than just a message or a note from Jesus. I mean, you can imagine what they're going to tell John, can't you? They don't go back and John is sitting there. You know, let's assume that he is in prison and he's saying, hey, glad you could make it. Yeah, it's visitation hours. Well, what did he say? Well, John, he said yes. And then you might expect John to say, are you sure it was him? You know, he's like, well, yeah, he's just like you described him. You know? Okay. A lot of people said it was him. But he said, yes, yes. Well, did he do anything? Oh, yeah, he's a nice guy, John. He's really, <laughs> he speaks very well. 
neat trimmed beard, good haircut, you know. Okay, yeah, I, think, I think he's all right, John. I think he's all right. I think he's all right. That's not how it goes down. Can you not imagine them coming in saying, John, it's just like you said. <clears throat> Holy Spirit and fire. We saw power. We saw things. We saw things change. We saw blind people that could see. We saw people who couldn't walk. I mean, I mean we heard this story, and we can believe it, where they're like lowering a guy down. They're knocking holes in roofs just so that people can get healed. And, oh, man, I mean, it's, 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 we saw it, John. We saw it. We saw it. We're telling you, he's the one. He's the one you've been talking about. You know how the story wraps up. They saw the power of God changing the kingdom of this world and all of its powers and all of its values and all of the things that we take for granted. They saw the power of God through Christ changing that into the kingdom of God. See, when the kingdom of God rules, and we can say this for them, um, when people have a, a blindness or they've, been, they've got leprosy, there's things we have to do so that we make sure that we're not touched by that impurity. We can't get infected by those spiritual viruses. Now, mind you, that's not because we're mean people, but that's just because we've got to have boundaries and keep all that impurity away from people who are entrusted with making God happy. And sometimes when those things happen to those people, well, somebody in their family has sinned. Do you remember in John chapter 8, the little story where the disciples are walking along and they find the guy who was born blind? And they go, Jesus, let's have a little Bible class right here. Theological question, this man's blind. Now, did he sin or did his parents? Because if he sinned and he's blind, well, that makes sense. If his parents sinned and he's blind that seems unfair and jesus says you're asking all the wrong questions and instead what you need to see is the glory of the kingdom of god to create a new reality where this man can see now that's what's happening in these in these power stories you see the store the power of the kingdom of God, God's new rule, changing things. So John is saying, are you the one? I want to know that the kingdom of God has arrived. I want to know that the Messiah has reached our shores. I, I need to know that the invasion has started. And the disciples go back to John. They say, you asked for the kingdom of God. Well, you've got it. You've got it, John. And all they were doing was telling what they had seen and heard through Jesus. And did you notice, too, that you get a bonus beatitude? There is a bonus beatitude in this. Luke 7, 23. You know, you may have thought you knew all the beatitudes. Well, this one is hidden. It's like the surprise in the box of Cracker Jack. It's down in there. You ever open one of those up and you get two prizes? That's a bonus. Mm -hmm. Because it's the same sentence structure as the Beatitudes. It's not just blessed, but it's blessed. Blessed is the one. No, I'm kidding. It's not blessed. That's actually, that's, that's great theatrical English. 
It's, it's it, you know, as we say in, uh, when we read the Beatitudes and celebrate recovery, happy, okay? Happy is the one. That's all good. But blessed, blessed or happy, who? Happy is the one, blessed is the one who's not shocked by me. Depending on what translation you're reading, it might say the one who does not fall away because of me or the one who is not offended by me. You know, of all the things you prepare yourself for in Christianity to get offended, does Jesus show up on that list? (laughs) You know, we get ourselves ready to be, you know, especially when you're going, you're visiting another church, you know. Now, if they break out a guitar, I'm getting out of here. You know, I'm I'm not doing that. It's wrong. The, you know, I get up there and the preacher has spiked hair and skinny jeans. I'm out of here. If I do that, you should be offended, okay? Because uh, I'll be offended. Uh, you know, we, we uh, you know, it's these stories about people getting jerked out of the pulpit. You know, if you preach any error, if you do this, you know, they're, I don't know, they, uh, you know, I'm not sure, but I think they, they sang some you know, new song. That, I'm not sure. They were making noises like instruments. And, you know, we get ourselves prepared to be offended because we want to get it right. We want to do it right. But do we ever stop and, and, and even assume, you know, I'm going to, I don't know about it. If I go to that church today and, and I get the sense that Jesus is there, oh, I'm out. I'm walking out. Well, we don't think like that. And that's good. But Jesus here is, is saying, you, you, you might want to. Because he's saying sometimes, and Jesus doesn't do this because he's a jerk. Jesus is not a jerk. Jesus is saying that sometimes what I bring can be very offensive to people who want to live by the values of this world. To people who want to embrace the powers and the values of this world, they might be shocked or they might be offended or they might find themselves tripped up by the message of the kingdom of God because it's, it's, it's sort of different than what you've come to expect. And it, and it can even, and by the way, that doesn't mean that it's bad to be shocked by Jesus. Yeah. And again, I don't agree with this translation 100%. It's blessed are those who are not offended and fall away because of me. Sometimes Jesus might shock us, but, and it might be difficult, but it might bring us to greater faith. You know, for example, we can get hung up on the whole issue of miracles here. Well, you know, Jesus didn't heal me of my sickness and and uh, I prayed. I got faith just like everybody else. And, uh, you know, I, I know blind people. Where's the miracle? Well, Jesus doesn't perform miracles today. Oh, he doesn't? Why not? Well, you know, the power ran out. And so we don't, it's just not there anymore. There's a, you know, it's, the, it's global warming. The, the uh, you know, the, the power rays can't get from heaven. I mean, who knows? We come up with all kinds. And again, we try, to, we try to put it in a bag and try to put it in a bucket and figure it all out. And, and here, the issue is not the miracles and whether or not the miracles were happening. I mean, there, there, there are accounts where Jesus goes to his hometown, and because they don't have faith in him, they don't experience any miracles. And so we think, how much faith do we got to have? By the way, there's no way to measure faith. 
I know it sounds like a weird statement. Um, that mustard seed faith is just kind of a ridiculous thing. When you find when you find a faithometer, let me know, okay? Because I don't think you can quantify faith. Faith is trust. You either trust or you don't. You either trust or you don't. You trust in God or you don't. And that's the whole point of all of this. Are we willing to live in God's kingdom with Christ's power among us or not? You don't get a little bit of that. You know, some of you, when you're eating today, when you're going out to eat or eating at home, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to worry about having too much food or too much of something. And so you're, you know, you're going to, you're going to hold up everybody else for, to be healthy, but that's okay. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, listen, can you bring me the, the dressing? But I want it on the side because I don't like the way y'all pour it all on there. And, and uh, I want this, but leave this part out or, or be sure and grill it. I don't want any pepper on it or, you know, or leave, leave certain things off. You know, I want to substitute this. And the restaurant is going to be so happy to accommodate you. And even if they're not, you just smile and, and give thanks that you've got food today. Okay? But we don't do that with the power of God. Jesus, I'd like to show up and worship you, and I think I'd like to sing some songs, and I've got some money to give and all that, but when that Holy Spirit power wants to change my life, can you just hold back? You know, this is the thing. I mean, some people think there's a controversy with lifting hands in worship, and the thing is you don't know why people are lifting hands in worship. Some people are saying, God, I love you. Bring your blessings to me. And some people are saying, Woo, I got enough. Give it back, God. I'm, I don't, woo, too much, too much. It's hot in here. So, <clears throat> you know, but you can't do that. You either accept. Some people are like, you know, right here, lower down. You know, and so the, but it's all good. It's all good. I'm not putting you down. I mean, you know, that's sincere. That's the heart. That's the heart expressing itself. I may not lift my hands during singing that that's not bad it's just i don't know i i I do this and you know but look at whoo they move when i'm preaching don't they so um you know because i'm i'm pulling the words out and showing them to you but we're either living willing to live in god's kingdom with christ's power among us or we're not you can't serve two masters and you see, and, and then this gets to the second part of the story where you had, you know, the disciples of John go back to tell John. They're like, John, it's time, it's here. But then you have other reactions. Let's go back and read that real quick. <clears throat> when they heard this, is verse 29, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right, for they had been baptized by John. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It wasn't the baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit. It was a baptism of repentance. But repentance means I'm willing to change and to get ready and to accept the rule of God. That's what repentance is all about. I'm willing, I'm willing to turn. And, and they're saying... Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're invested. I'm a tax collector. I'm invested in the way things are. Let me tell you, when the Roman government rips you off, I rip you off too. And boy, business is good. I mean, they love this. And so they want to keep it like that. But now, after hearing the message of the kingdom of God, they're like, nope, we're ready, we're ready to chuck it. We're ready to chuck all that. We're ready, we're ready to give. We're ready to fully commit 
And they're baptized by John. And so they are, they are all in line saying God's way is right. It's funny who doesn't. You know, we, we think again that the Pharisees and the experts in the religious law, we've got that picture of them where they're, they've got the stovepipe hat and the handlebar mustache and they're, they're wringing their hands, you know. Yeah, it's just Jesus. What are we going to do with him? But the truth is, these Pharisees and, and teachers of the religious law, they, they, they look a lot like me. They look a lot like people like me, and maybe they look like you. I mean, I don't, they, they look like good, decent people who we would welcome into the neighborhood and say, oh, you're really smart. I like, I like what you do. And they're the ones who have a hard time. They're the ones who have a ta- hard time with this because they nitpick John's message. They nitpick the question of the kingdom of heaven because they're pretty sure that they know. And the thing is, they are invested in the way things are. And so when Jesus asks this question, he says, you know, you folks went out there to hear what John had to say. What did you go out there to hear? A weak read. What? What is a weak read? I, I, I'm going to translate this as, as uh, and if I'm, I'm wrong, well, then, you know, I don't know. I'm wrong. But I'm going to translate this as a dandelion. Did you go out there to see a dandelion? I mean, we think of dandelions as frail little flowers, don't we? That the wind blows and poof, they lose all their little seeds. And you say, well, that, that's the way it's supposed to be. But have you ever noticed one? They're so nice when they're a little, little puff ball, you know. And then you pick one and blow it. And, oh, it just looks so ugly after that. I mean, it's got that little button on it that, that uh, just looks unnatural and weird. And, uh, you know, a bald-headed dandelion is a pretty nasty sight. And so, uh, you know, he says, is that what you went? You went to go see some old dandelion out there that when the hard winds blow, that just shatters? He says, did you go to see somebody in silk robes? Some sort of fancy, fancy, posh fellow? No, he says, you went out there because you heard about a fiery prophet. In other words, you heard about somebody who takes the message seriously. <clears throat> but he says, I'm telling you, he's more than a prophet. Oh, yeah? He's the, he's the Elijah. He's the one that, that, that Malachi was talking about that ushers in the, the coming of the Messiah. And then Jesus sees that and raises it one notch higher and says, Now, he's great. John the Baptist is great. He's one of the all-stars. He is a super athlete in the kingdom or, you know, in the world. There's no one greater. But I'm going to tell you that the least person in the new rule of God's kingdom is still greater than John. How is that possible? Because John's out there you know, wearing a camel hair shirt and looks like Grizzly Adams. He's eating crickets and honey. I mean, how? I mean, he's baptizing people. How is just some pew sitter in the kingdom of God even better? It's because a different system of measurement comes in. Under the kingdom of God, People are looked at differently. You know, that, this is why we say that when we're involved in Night to Shine, we participate in the upside-down kingdom. And I'm going to show you how subtle worldly thinking is, and it can enter into all of our, our, our thinking and all of our, the way we view things. We love it. We love our kings and queens who come and are the honored guests. 
And when I'm talking about it, and when I'm talking about it in a meteor just with anybody, I stop and think how I'm describing this. And one of the words I made sure that I never used, and I hope I never did use it, is I never wanted to describe them as the unfortunate. Think about what that word means. You know, even when we talk about people in the world, it's like we need to give to them because they are unfortunate. Unfortunate. What does that make us? Well, we're the fortunate. Which God is at work? The God called fortune? If we're the fortunate, then we all ought to go play the lottery. But maybe that's not really a blessing. Maybe that's not the God that solves all of our problems. We've got to be careful who the fortunate and unfortunate are because, and what we think about that and the things that we so easily accept. Because Jesus' report to John is the ones that you think have sinned or the ones that you think are on the outside, the ones that you, they're the ones that are blessed. Remember how that Sermon on the Mount opens up? Blessed are... And there's a lot of people there that the world would say, well, that, that's unfortunate. And God would say, no, they're my kids. They're blessed. Fortune's a false god. Fortune just says that some things happen to some people and some things happen to a different person. Uh, so in the kingdom of God, the least is even greater than John. It's the complaining cynics that reject the kingdom power oh that can't be jesus calls calls us out he calls them out and he calls us out here comes john the baptist you went out there to see a prophet you went out there to see a wild man here's a guy that'll preach fire hellfire and brimstone he'll get you going oh you'll be sweating you'll want to get baptized so you don't want to go to hell oh no i'm so scared oh come down front you sinner run you sinner run come and be baptized you know that's and then the meanwhile the complaining cynics are saying you know this isn't right i think he's possessed by a demon yeah i mean look at the man he eats crickets yeah that's not normal Okay, well, then maybe you need to listen to somebody else. Here comes Jesus. He's fun at parties. He turns water into wine. He, he's all right. He's sociable. He's got a nice look. He speaks well. He, he's got a lot of charisma. You know, he doesn't eat crickets. And uh, he, you know, he, he's good. Oh, him? Well, he hangs out with gluttons and drunkards. And, you know, he's probably, he's probably one of them himself. See, that's the complaining, cynical attitude that's never going to live in the kingdom of God because it can't. It doesn't want to. It, it prefers religion light. It, it prefers just a little bit of God on the side of the life that we always want because we're chasing after other gods. And Jesus says, well, you can do that. He says, this generation is like spoiled brats in the marketplace, you know, who can't ever get their way. They're not happy when you sing. They don't cry when you sing sad songs. They don't laugh when you sing happy songs. And sometimes we get that way. I didn't get a lot out of worship today. You didn't? No. Well, keep coming back. Okay. And it just, you know, never seems to work. I remember once going to worship service with a friend, and 
The worship service was focused on the death of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ. Oh, it was moving. And I'm not typically, you know, moved like that in that kind of experience. But, you know, I was like, wow, that was, that was powerful. This is when I was uh, in Texas. And a friend of mine, he said, that service was so sad today. We needed to sing some catchy tunes. I was like, hello, it was the death of Christ, you know. I mean, do you? Do you not see the appropriateness? And maybe when we do stuff like that, and I'm not picking on him because I've done the same thing he's done, maybe we're using the wrong measuring stick. Maybe we're trying to put godly things and the power of Christ in a bucket called the kingdom of this world. Let me just ask you this. When you come to Christ and, and, and you want to... And by the way, nowhere in Scripture does it say that we build or construct or put together or we establish the kingdom of God. We don't do that. We can't do it. That's not our charge. That's not our mission. It's not even in our skill set. God does that. He builds the kingdom. But you and I have been given the grace to enter into it or to receive it. And I know that everyone, I'm sure that everyone here wants to enter into it and receive it. If you're not sure, God bless you for your honesty. I think that'd be a good conversation for us to have. But when you want to enter into it or receive it, what are you expecting? What are you expecting? Are you expecting a religion light that just sort of embraces the values of this world? But... Make sure that you're taken care of after the moment of death? Or are you ready to do like those tax collectors and sinners who they weren't turned away at the door? God didn't hate them. God didn't say, no, 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 we can't have your type in here. But they said, God's way is right. And they're fully invested. You just got to ask who you are at the breakfast table maybe you've heard the story cow says I'm doing my part for breakfast you know I'm donating milk and chicken says well I'm doing my part I mean it's not easy laying them eggs but pig says I don't know what y'all are complaining about I'm fully invested in breakfast (laughs) what do you expect I mean do we just want a little moment in our week where we know that Okay, God, here's some bad things I want you to fix and polish. Here's some good things I'd like to do better. Are we willing to follow our Lord and give our life, but receive something back that's even greater? What do you expect? Who are you looking for? You pray with me. Father, help me to live out this word this week. Help me to live out this word today. Anyone else who wants to do that, I'm sure they'll be saying amen and they might say it to you or in their heart. I just share this prayer with them. And Father, I pray that during this moment you will give us the, the courage and the sincerity and the honesty to respond how we need to to your invitation to tell what we've seen and heard of the kingdom and to receive it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, would everybody stand up? Everybody just stand up. Okay, we're going to sing a song. All right, 
whatever you need to do. Maybe you need to talk to some of these shepherds down here. Maybe you need to share a prayer with those around you. But we believe that we have been invited to ask God for new life, for hope, that we can go to God and confess our willingness to believe in him. So I want you to have that opportunity. Brent, will you lead us in this song to encourage us?